Oh, yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. The world's just changed so radically and we're all running to catch up. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? The best intentions. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. Dr. Malcolm, I have to share a few campfire stories with my uncle. You can convince the Washington Post and the skeptical inquirer of whatever you want. But I was there, I know what happened, and so do you. I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. Hello and welcome to the May issue of Jurassic Minutes, where we discuss recent movie, toy, and franchise news for the Jurassic series. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And here we are rebooting the system, discussing franchise news that's come up over the last month. This episode, there's more domain new, uh, Dominion news uh, that's come out, even though production's halted. We've got a new poster for Camp Cretaceous, and we have a look back at some of the filming locations for Jurassic World that we may have missed during the minutes. All that and a lot more coming up on this show. National Weather Service is tracking a tropical storm about 75 miles west of us. Ay, 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 why didn't I build in Orlando? I'll keep an eye on it. Maybe it'll swing south like the last one. Looking at some news, uh, David, uh, we are fans of the Lost World, and of course this past week was the uh, birthday. Uh, yeah. I'm going to be really bad here and ask, what birthday is it? 27 or 26 years? No, it's uh, not. 26, I think. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no. It's uh, 23. 23. 23. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> That makes us sound bad. <laughs> of the uh, of the film we love so much, and uh, hopefully everyone's relived some of their favourite things from the Lost World over the last week in celebration of its birthday. Someone decided to take the time to post up one of the uh, props for sale. David, when this photo came up, I was surprised. It's the uh, it's the screen screen used rubber version of uh, Roland's Nitro Express. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, as, as we've been mentioning, it's Roland's twenty. I mean, not Roland. It's um, the Lost World's twenty third birthday, which you might. We I don't know if you guys do golden birthdays down there, but it'd be its golden birthday. It came out on the twenty third of May. Mm-hmm. Though I know some fans were irked to see that Universal somewhat jumped the gun just a tiny bit, just because they had um, they posted on the nineteenth. Or they posted the news on the 19th, which was technically, yes, it did come out, but that was the Hollywood premiere, not, that was the red carpet premiere, not the, um, not the statewide, uh, release into theaters. Yeah. Yeah, uh, nationwide release into theaters. Yeah, I'm sure we mentioned all this when we done the earlier minutes of JP32 around that May last year. It, it has seems to happen every year. There's that argument of when the actual release date was, and for the for the most of us, it was that 23rd of May. But yes, um, sorry, you might have heard a pounding there. I found another ant. <laughs> Kill. Be a little persistent this year. It's been a very wet year for us here in the Midwest United States. But yeah, um, so Roland's rubber prop, uh, elephant gun, elephant rifle was up for sale. It's claimed to be the screen news, though the seller did not mention any kind of certificate of authenticity that might have been sold with the prop. 
in the movie The Lost World, Roland was given a kind of a dummy rifle to carry around through most of the movie just because the weight of the of the elephant gun rifle was so heavy they figured that it'd be easier on Pete Postlewith if he was just given a rubber dummy to carry throughout the film whenever he didn't have to basically have any moving parts for it. Well, you, you uh, mentioned that the walking back and forth through the Redwoods and that, how many takes they had to do, and the whole time yeah. holding that, that weapon. Yeah, and the thing, the, it weighs like 16 pounds, I've heard, the actual rifle, so... I mean, yeah, I imagine that there would be ti- you'd be tired of holding that after like <laughs> ten takes of one scene, and I'm sure they and they did a couple. They probably did a couple scenes a day, you know, or at least tried to. Mm. Well, that yeah, holding it like that too. Plus, I think um, a lot of it was raining, um, especially the uh, the scenes at the end of the trailer sequence when he's, mm-hmm. he puts the stock in the mud and he's got those barrels sticking straight up in the air. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want yeah. a real gun, you know, especially one of that um, that caliber, that that glorious gun <laughs> being yeah, in the mud. Yeah, six hundred Nitro Express is a big bullet. It's a <laughs> big old slug, and it's just. I mean, if you ever see a picture of the comparison? It's basically a miniature rocket. Mm. Might as well be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I the prop was up on auction. It sold for $2,500. I bid on it, but quit after $1,200. It went went, uh, double my price range, unfortunately. What was... uh, I remember we discussed a while ago about the real real version and the the price to get one of those. Oh, those things cost tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, so it wasn't quite three figures. Mm, not three, but it is very expensive, yes. Yeah. Five, easily. Yeah. Unfortunately, the seller seems to have something of a history. I was reading on the RP, on the Replica Prop Forum that the seller here has a history of selling fake props as real, and he also had an egg and the Indominus Tooth both up for sale, and... Because those those are both so easily faked, I didn't even bother with them just because, I mean, like I said, they're so easily faked, and I've seen so many fakes before. Yeah. And yeah. so it kind of made me worried with when I, after I, that I feel like I dodged a bullet on, on this rifle. And even so, I mean, it didn't come with a certificate of authenticity from Universal or anything. Mm-hmm. Which was kind of a red flag for me at for at the very at the very beginning, you know. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to bring up images of the uh, the Lost World again to have a look at the gun because looking at some screen caps here of that listing and there's one um, one image of the gun laying on some grey cloth. Even just having the orange like the orange rubber on the butt and the buttstock doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. But it, you, you, you like we've discussed you. Uh, trying to uh, do the best you can at um, getting Roland's costume in it together and getting mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that he had in the film and the the Nitro Express was one thing that was going to be way out of uh, the ability to get as a, as a working rifle um, mm-hmm. just having a rubber one whether or not it had the certificate or not um, but I suppose that would probably drive the price up even more having, <laughs> having just a rubber version of the Nitro to go with that mm-hmm. costume would have been good but 
2500 is a lot of money in this climate, especially with everything going on in the world at the moment. It's throwing that much money down. It's a shame. Yeah. Speaking of some of the other pieces, though, we did get a uh, email address from Dress- at Jurassicpedia from a reader who had identified some of the items further, like such as the boots were are made by W.C. Russell Mockinson Company of Wisconsin, Illinois. And because we don't really ever get a good look of his boots in the movie, I kind of just uh, picked the one that seemed kind of that looked the most like it, the called the Big Cambo boot, which is basically uh, one of his hiking boots. We also got a ID on the sunglasses, which they're Conda Slimfolds, the model being ESF013 with the brown tint, tint lenses. These are extremely rare. I could not even find regular any sunglasses from this company. So these are going to be one that is going to be terif- difficult for me to track down. <laughs> I also got um, the braid that he's wearing on his on his right wrist. There is not actually a leather cord, but is in fact an elephant hair braid which is meant to be a, it's got like a bit of a history in Africa as these something that sh- uh, shepherds would kind of pick up off of thorn bushes and weave together and they kind of felt like it'd give them the strength of the elephant or, or something like that but yeah it's kind of got interesting little history in Africa hmm. and then his watch Roland likes expensive things he's wearing a ro- <laughs> he's wearing a Rolex. Uh, you bring a Rolex watch to uh, di- hunt dinosaurs. I wonder if that's just a durability thing. Uh, I don't know. All I know is I'm definitely not. This, I'm going to find a cheap knockoff for that. I'm not bringing it here to Rolex. <laughs> You'd think it'd give away the position, <laughs> being all shiny. Yeah. Might have been even like a retirement present or something from Ajay, you know? Yeah, be a quite you never know. Yep. Yeah. Or some sort of fee in the, in the previous life he'd been given as a gift from the Maharaja of somewhere or something. Yeah. Find the infant tyrannosaur. Rona can show you where the nest is. I want it on my jet. Take it directly to the infirmary at the complex in San Diego. And hurry it up. I'd love to be airborne before the female knows we're here. Well, um, we've been a bit all over the place with uh, some of those on location shooting that for Jurassic World in the minutes and um, I just thought I'd take the time to uh, quickly go back and correct some of the some stuff we said before because I remember we were talking about uh, the Mitchell's house being in Texas somewhere when it was uh, down in um, I had it here <laughs> <laughs> down in um, down in New Orleans so Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. The the majority of Jurassic World was based down at Big Easy Studios, which was opened up, um, sort of come out of NASA's uh, Mitchell Assembly campus down there, which was left vacant after the end of the space program. So that that's where we're getting that word of uh, stuff being filmed at NASA down there. It was on one of their NASA Assembly campuses down there that they later repurposed into a studio set, a studio lot. I see. Um, so yeah, that um, that uh, Mitchell House was actually filmed on a sunny New Orleans street, not uh, not Texas, but not far away. It's about the same mm-hmm. same temperature. The fact of the matter is, fake snow and not real snow all the way down there. 
right next to each other, actually. Yeah. yeah, yep. The airport, the Dane County Airport, which uh, I mistook for Chicago, um, it's, uh, it's the Louis Armstrong International Airport, um, which I don't know where that is. <laughs> so it just says that address, it doesn't actually say the state. Mm-hmm. I've just clicked on the link. I'd imagine that might would be... Um, oh, it's New Orleans. In, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say New Orleans, because Louis Armstrong had a, was, a, was a jazz musician who had very strong influences in New Orleans. Yep, yep. And the uh, the petting zoo that we haven't quite got yet to is uh, one of the local zoos in New Orleans as well, so... Again, yeah, using that all those I, locations down there. That one I swore they did on Hawaii. I don't know why. I swore they filmed that one at the Honolulu Zoo. Hmm. It's, it's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just using uh, movielocations.com here for his reference. Um, yeah. Well, it says it was used for scenes of the evacuation... Uh, oh, well, that would make sense. Yeah, I thought it said zoo, but... Well, it does say Audubon Zoo was, uh, but it, if it was used for scenes uh, for just the evacuation, that would make sense, more sense. Because I swore the petting zoo was, in fact, filmed at the Honolulu Zoo. I remember seeing, like, picture, like uh, people who snuck into the zoo and kind of snapped some photos... And they had the Jurassic World flags all around the, like, this wooden pen in the Honolulu Zoo. Yeah, it does. I went down a bit further. <laughs> Honolulu Zoo was for the uh, petting zoo. Um, Clear Ranch, of course, we get for a lot of the uh, other stuff where the, the helipad was set up on the, the side of the mountain there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Owen's uh, bungalow, which we're going to get to in a little bit. And, um, of course, the uh, IREX enclosure, which we're about to get to minute-wise as well. Main Street, we know uh, the abandoned Six Flags uh, amusement park down there. Um, Dawn of the Planet Apes and some other films actually f- um, shot some of the uh, derelict rides for the uh, the dystopian future stuff in the films mm-hmm. there. But um, as we know, the Jurassic World actually built the entire set in the car park, I think it was, for yeah, that, uh, yeah. that place. So. And I've got a heap of photos I'm going to start posting up on the uh, the Facebook site now of the aerials of uh, Main Street being built and uh, a lot of that behind-the-scenes stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, of course, our friends at um, Behind the Gates, they've got some very, very good behind-the-scene photos of his construction and filming. Yeah, yeah. So check them out on Facebook as well. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks and it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters nothing more and nothing less Um, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance no force on earth or heaven could get me on that island up next moving into some Dominion news uh, Sam Neill was uh, interviewed on one of the uh, radio stations here in Australia. Uh, I don't listen to them. Um, one is a ex Big Brother contestant, and the other one is someone I don't know. So, uh, yeah, radio host. Um, he um, he discussed sort of some of the things with uh, 
apparently two weeks had been filmed or two weeks production had been filmed for Dominion before it was shut down he managed to escape back to New Zealand out of the UK before it all got shut down uh, Mm -hmm. airport-wise and um, yeah he's maybe suggesting that uh, production could be moved down to Australia or New Zealand to uh, just get the ball rolling a bit earlier because um, the UK is probably going to be locked down for a lot longer than the rest of the world just because of the uh, being able to cross borders and all that sort of stuff not Mm -hmm. so much air travel Um, I don't know how I feel about this (laughs) Uh, we know they uh, they originally went to New Zealand um, to uh, film scouting for Jurassic Park originally or was it just the Lost World? I know, um, I know it was definitely for the Lost World. Yeah, they definitely did. They went down to New Zealand for the Lost World. There's um, some Photoshop mock-up concept art from those shoots in the um, making of book for the Lost World. I know they might. I think they considered it for um, Jurassic Park three. And I think when we did the minute the minutes for Jurassic Park three, we talked about the how they did the. Um, sweepstakes for the uh for go visit the filming location Jurassic Park 3 and it was New Zealand. Mm. Yeah. It, I'm sure there'll be some fast, um, fantastic locations both here and there to film at but it'd be the same as um, Jeff Goldblum saying well why don't we come and film here and L- <laughs> come back to the Redwoods <laughs> come back <laughs> to America where majority of production you'd think would be um it's just yeah, it's just weird that Sam Neill said, "Well, let's all come to my town," <laughs> so when everyone could be saying the same thing, yeah. um, just to get production I out think, of the UK. I think California is still also shut down, and what I think they were specifically looking to do was they were going to film at Malta with um, the UK as a base when they did studio shots in um, at what was it? Um, Pinewood Studios in the United Kingdom, mm. uh, but I think Malta was going to be the next next stop on the on the on the trip. I know that Maisie, I don't know Maisie. Um, what, what, I can't remember her actor's name, but yeah, I was just calling. Yeah. I know Maisie's actor <laughs> and Chris Pratt uh, did get some scene get to did get to finish some scenes in um in Vancouver and uh, that area over there. Yeah. Yeah, and so where local local governments here are suggesting that international flights probably won't happen again until twenty twenty one, so it it is going to push push this back, and that's that's just here. Um, what happens in the UK is probably going to be a lot different, uh, although they are trying to get stuff open again to get economies re working and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it'll be a wait and see. I'd I can't see this making the uh, the the release schedule now. No, definitely not. I'd definitely say that this is probably going to be pushed back to 2021. Mm. Which honestly, I mean, I don't mind so long as they put, they don't like try to rush it and produce this like a half-ass film. I'm more than fine with waiting for another year. You know. <laughs> well, it, it, chances are it won't be the only thing coming, but we'll get to that in a little bit. That's first priority after we're finished. I want it up and running in 30 minutes. That's half an hour. Understood? Over. 
moving on, something that uh, does seem to be still steaming ahead, uh, Camp Cretaceous. We've got a poster revealed. I think there was a couple other photos as well, but I couldn't find them. Um, of the Carnotaurus, the, the Camp Cretaceous gates, uh, and sort of the kids, the animated style of what we're going to be getting with this series. And the, uh, the baby ankylosaur, which... Was it called Lumpy? I don't know why I want to call it Lumpy. Lumpy, I think. Lumpy, yeah. Um, so we've got a little bit of a tease here of what uh, what we're going to be getting coming up. I, I do love the dinosaur design, especially the Carnotaurus. Just that devil, that devil Carnotaurus look. Like we've got in Fallen Kingdom with the oranges. And the baby Ankylosaur is a lot more of that sort of chibi look as well. But sort of odd, the, uh, the foliage there looks realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of surprised how kind of chintzy the human characters looked. Like they blew the whole budget on, on the environment and the dinosaurs, and they're like, "Oh wait, we got humans in this too. We, we got to animate those." <laughs> oh, that sort of reminds me of Terranova, where they spent all the budget on the sets and the the actors, and yeah, I forgot about the budget for the dinosaurs there. But I can't recall what uh, what age group this is going for, but this is, this seems more like early teens to children. I was thinking more even more than that, younger children, you know. Yeah. Animation almost kind of reminds me of um, Star Wars Resistance, which is not gotten a lot of praise from the Star Wars fandom just because it's had such a kind of goofy and goofy dialogue and plots and really not so great animation. Mm. But yeah, I think that um, this is going to be more of a kid show, not quite maybe as much as the Lego uh, TV show was, but it's going to be more of a kid show than I think it is going to be geared for teens and young adults. Yeah, I'd imagine imagine a little bit less goofy and not as jokey as what the Lego series has been, but Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, hopefully something a little bit stronger in canon than that the Lego movies, the Lego stuff has done as well. But but I, said, I, I still can't wait to see what they what they do with it. It's it's good to see they seem to be pushing ahead with the uh, November release date. So we'll have to see what else comes out in the next couple of months. So we'll next mm-hmm. month at least. I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it? Well. Collider.com has released an interview with uh, Frank Marshall, as we know, one of the uh, the heads of producers of the uh, Jurassic World series, and Jurassic series, really going all the way back. Um, he's, uh, he's been on that uh, interview saying that uh, Dominion won't be the end of uh, the Jurassic series, it'll be the start of a new era. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, when asked if Jurassic World 3 was... Um, being envisioned as an endpoint, he responded no. So, hmm. well, you've got a lot more coming, Dave. He, he sort of he quotes here: the dinosaurs are now on the mainland among us, and they'll be for quite some time, I hope. He adds. 
Mm-hmm. Like many others, I'm definitely taking it as confirmation that we are going to get more Jurassic Park movies. Do you think it's movies? Or, I don't know, I mean, an HBO miniseries that follows the books closer, that kind of kind of like what they did with Westworld, would definitely be interesting. Mm. But I think I think that Universal won't want to do that. I think they're going to want to um, continue the movie series because I just saw a article earlier that said Jurassic Park is Hollywood's Hollywood, not just Universal Studios. They're Hollywood's most profitable fan- franchise. This is a movie. This is a movie franchise that makes this company billions of dollars. And not just on the movies. I'm talking toy sales, games, um, uh, uh, TV shows now, and books, everything that they produce. This is a big franchise, and I don't think Universal is going to want that revenue flow to go away. But at the same time, I don't see Jurassic Park surviving as a TV series. I think the budget would be too high, and I think that. Actually, now that I say that, because The Mandalorian is also kind of a bread and butter series for Disney. That's kind of their headliner series for Disney Plus. And and I know that Universal is now starting to get their own series, their uh, um, their own streaming service. They're going to be getting uh, what was it, Peacock. Mm. will be their new streaming series. And now that I think about it, now that I'm mulling it over, that could be their headline series, a Jurassic Park TV series. No, but not a TV, it would be a streaming series. Mm. You know? Yeah. I and just think that Jurassic Park has a long future, movies and TV, baby. And I think that we're going, we're not going to see the end of it after Fallen King, or I mean after Dominion. Well, that's, yeah, and this is, I'm going to put my $5 down <laughs> here on this. I don't see any more films coming after this. I think Dominion will be the end of the film for its series. They will, we already know there's a TV series coming. Um, whatever happened with the Crichton rights after Jurassic Park 6, I can see this as a solid resetting point. The animals that are in the world, we don't need the same characters to be involved from uh, previous films mainly because of budget and they're all stars now for the most part mm-hmm. if, if they want to do their own Mandalorian style 8, eight 10 15 episode run for season 1 of this new Jurassic series to continue mm-hmm. the franchise forward in TV form um, I think that's the perfect way to do it unfortunately as you said they're going to do it as an exclusive on their own streaming service which mm-hmm. may or may not sync the whole thing if it doesn't go well mm-hmm. um, but I think with with how many people the, the money that um, this new trilogy has brought in Dominion's probably going to do the same a big box office as well you've got the fan base built set now for a Jurassic world where the animals are on the mainland you can tell different stories, different locations mm-hmm. and maybe have it continue And I, um, what the Mandalorian done for Disney Plus is a prime example there yeah, exactly. And honestly, I mean, most TV shows are limited by a 30 or 100 minute 
I mean, sorry, excuse me, th- uh, 30 or one hour time slot. And with the Mandalorian, they're not limited by that. They can do whatever they want between 30 and 45 minutes, which would be the standard, um, which would be the standard, basically 30 minutes for with a half hour or 45 minutes being the standard Sam's commercials for the runtime on a, on an hour long TV series. And so that gives them a lot more freedom to tell the stories in the way they need to tell them. You basically get what the writer wants you to see versus having to either put fluff in or cut, cut things out, you know? Yep. Because I think Mandalorian usually runs between about 35 to 45 minutes. And every, every, pretty much every episode is also good. So, (laughs) so that's another thing is that you don't get these kind of filler episodes. You just get the meat and you get what you want to get, you know? You're not stuck to a 20, uh, 22 episodes of, uh, on a, um, Hundred on a uh, one hour time slot. You're you can do one one season can do eight episodes. Another season can do fifteen. Another season can do seven. If if they tell the story that they can tell within that season, they're a lot. They have a lot more freedom to tell a quality story than if it's on TV. And with streaming going the way being the future, I think that's we're going to only see more of that. You know. Mm, yep. Yeah, plus you've got Camp Cretaceans. See, there's, there's a lot of stuff, non, non-movie non stuff happening at the moment mm-hmm. as well, so... Plus that, uh, that the, the rumour for the uh, new video game as well. Um, mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like earlier you said you are talking about budget. Well, I, I don't know what the budget for the Mandalorian was, but um, both the use of practical and CG... Mm-hmm. And that is looks fantastic, and you maybe you wouldn't have to have. Maybe if you had the one dinosaur, like what uh, Camp Cretaceous is doing with having the uh, the Carnotaurus being the main um, air quotes villain, you can sort of spend money on those assets and just do that and have it appear every episode or two. Um, same thing with the TV series. Have a have a core group of dinosaur characters. Um, you've you've already got all the assets for Blue and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to go that way as, as well, so um, and we've just seen it with Battle at Big Rock, um, having something small like that and mm-hmm. doing um, surprisingly well CG wise with the animals. Yeah, Battle at Big Rock was a proving ground basically for the concept of a TV series. You know, <clears throat> I mean, if you're going to do a kind of anthology series with an overarching main plot. Um, uh, Battle of Big Rock would basically be the perfect test subject for that. And it was insanely popular. I think it broke ratings or something like that for for a 15-minute time slot series. Mm-hmm. Or um, time slot episode, or whatever you want to call it. Special. Yep. Vehicle headlights are on and they're not responding. Those shouldn't be running off car batteries. Item 151 on today's glitch list. We have all the problems of a major theme park and a major zoo, and the computers aren't even on their feet yet. Moving on, lastly within the news, uh, construction is going along... Uh, why is that dated and, 2003? 
Oh, that's oh. because of... <laughs> I just saw an angle. Right, well, this is news. <laughs> um, it is, it is, yes, it's uh, the construction in Beijing for uh, the new Universal Studios park there that is going to have the Jurassic World Main Street. What I did, though, was when I posted it, I kind of pretended it was a file photo from the construction of Jurassic World just because the photo is basically this huge scaffolding thing, and we see the framework of the Innovation Center. So I thought, this pretty much looks exactly like what it would have looked like when they were building the real Jurassic World. Not for the movie, but, I mean, like, if the park was a real park. And they were constructing the park at that time, so that's why it's got the 2003 date there. I think it kind of flew over some people's heads, and I was thankful when I posted that on the Jurassicpedia Instagram that there was somebody who was there that recognized what I was doing and was able to answer people's confusion for me. <laughs> Shout out to that guy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, like, it's, it is exactly what would have what the building in the Innovation Center would have been like back when uh, it was all doing all going ahead and right down like the tower crane we've seen all this in that uh, artist um, San Diego poster that he done with the raptor hunched on the old explorer and mm-hmm. Jurassic World being built um, you had the tower yeah. crane there or tower cranes um, building the innovation center and the rest of the building so no I just thought it was good, <laughs> good good photo to have a look at they're headed in a port but I can't raise them Okay. Skipper SS Venture, this is Engine Harbor Master. Do you copy? Over. Skipper SS Venture, you are approaching the breakwater at flank speed. Reduce at once. Over. All right. Uh, last one before we get heavy for the day, uh, we've got a bit of feedback here once again from our uh, one of our listeners, Ben at Jurassic Site B over at Twitter. Um, he had a couple of questions, which a couple here I uh, thought were interesting. One. Um, we had been talking, especially during uh, the Mitchell House uh, stuff, that uh, Jurassic World takes place at Christmas, uh, more likely the uh, the Christmas week, including Christmas Day itself. Um, where did that come from? As I know we got the Christmas carols and that on the, the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, this... and I believe it was identified by one of um, Jurassicpedia's contributors, Trodon Formosus, that the moon phase during the battle, during the big battle in the fight occurs, I think, on December twenty fourth. Ah, oh, okay. Or the twenty second. I know it's late December. Yep. Yep. All right. So yeah, we got that, and we got the uh, the Christmas carols on the radio, and it's snowing. Um... As for why there's no decorations, I know you and I kind of discussed that a little bit when you brought this to my attention. I think maybe because the powers that be would kind of find it clashing with the theme they want for the park, basically. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I know at my work site, we don't really, I mean, at work, my, my job, we don't really put up decorations, even though I'm sure a lot of people would welcome it, just because it would kind of not look professional, I guess. I mean... We do celebrate it. There are people that come in with Christmas sweaters and stuff like that, but it's not something... We don't decorate the office, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, his, his question was, why aren't we seeing any decorations around the park? I, my first thought may have been the uh, the religious side of things. You've got an international mm-hmm. park here of guests coming from everywhere. You don't want to discriminate or anything yeah. like that for Christmas. But 
Um, I mean, there are kind of a at least a dozen different solstice end of year celebrations that people that different religions do. There's Christmas, Hanukkah. We'd have the menorahs there, Kwanzaa, um, Yule, which is very popular. Kind of kind of mixes uh, paganism with Christianity. Um, Festivus for those who are Seinfeld fans. <laughs> New Year is New Year's. I mean, when I mean people get uptight about Happy Holidays, but at the same time, there's a dozen different holidays you celebrate at this time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yep. But I wonder if um, maybe it's more. And I'm gonna. I know someone that works at Disneyland. I'm gonna ask him. Um, just the size of the park itself, how spread out it is, mm-hmm. the sheer effort involved in decorating for uh, an event, or for Christmas, um, whether it's just something that they don't want to do or can't, or, yeah, something like that. But even, because it's just weird, you'd think, like, with all the, the dinosaurs Larry's got on his desk and that, you'd think Vivian would have a little Christmas tree or mm-hmm. even just a Christmas shirt on or just even stuff like that, not so much decorations, just someone wearing mm-hmm. a red hat or... We'll have to pay at attention closer as we go through, but it's um, it's not something we're going to see at all. Yeah, but at the same time, Lowry is the only one we see who does decorate his <laughs> desk. I think he's more the exception than the rule in the case of the Jurassic World staff. He's the rule breaker. Well, you know? Vivian does have he's the one who tried to... He's the one who looks through the guide and says, well, there's nothing against it, and doesn't. But we do see Vivian's got some family photos around her computer screen, too, so it's decorations in different ways, I suppose. But but no, there's something we're going to have to keep an eye on as we go through and just see if we can spot someone that's got any sort of Christmas uh, thing on at all, but... uh, Second question you asked, Steve was sort of discussing his hopes for Jurassic World Dominion um, mm-hmm. and the hopes of taking the animals maybe back to Sauna or Sanctuary Island. And I sort of thought about it then and have how good the uh, the inciting incident for Dominion, if we actually went back to Sauna to the lab in JP3 with Masrani there, um, not Simon himself, obviously, because of the sad passing, unless you've done the CG stuff to make him young, but... Have have the lab been used and inside an instance there? If you want to bring Dodson or Bison back into it, have have something happen because we know they stopped. We don't know why they stopped. They got the lab going again and then stopped. So maybe have the inciting incident there. It, it, it's a way to bring Sauna back into the franchise and just and just yeah have something that happens there go into mm-hmm. the main plot thread of Dominion. Whether it's we know it's going to be a lot more of a techno thriller. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe Bison get their samples from there and they close up or something like that and that's why um, there's even more animals around the world now than what there should be or, or anything like that. But My thinking is Dodgson or Biosyn is not out of the question for Dominion. I think that because everything has gone open source, we know that Wu was extremely afraid of other people basically um pirating his data so to speak he was he when um when uh what's his name why am i blind on like well when uh what's his name <laughs> go starts uh the bidding on the indoraptor 
Wu basically inter- interjects is like, wait, we can't just sell them. This is an, an unfinished product. He's like, don't worry, we'll make more. And Wu says, sold eight. Yeah. I think that's going to, that, that's a line that a lot of people kind of treat as throwaway. And it's really not. It's a, it's a very important line because these, di- I think that what, I think, um, what is this, uh, Trevor's big goal, one, one big goal for this movie is to have it as a stepping stone between engines, only the one who makes the dinosaurs to now everybody's going to make the dinosaurs. And, like Dodgson, like we've talked about before, Dodgson in the novel was thinking about petting zoos. He was thinking about hunting preserves, household pets. They can only eat their, uh, that can only eat the do- the food that they that they sell. Basically, becoming the um, apple of biotech. And that's that's one thing I did bring up with him was um, if Bison got their hands on the tech, and maybe that plot thread for Dominion was more. Here's this company selling pygmy-sized animals to people as pets, and that's sort of where things start to go wrong. Just having that small, smaller, contained story there, but because mm-hmm. it's one of those things, like we were saying before about um, the future of the franchise, you can't keep on having these films with people running away from dinosaurs as the main plot or main point, because it's it's been done six times now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is where I'm going to break and say I don't think I don't think the islands are coming back. I would hope no. that we would get Sorna again, and I know that it's kind of been left up in the air that about its final fate. But I don't. I think the time that time has passed now. I don't think we're going to get Isla Sorna again. Yeah, and that's that's why sort of I was thinking maybe just inside an incident you can CG the uh, the lab just the front of it like we've seen before have a set inside with someone sneaking in to steal something or whatever else you've got a quick little reference to sauna again which we haven't really had in these films at all and um, and yeah show that sort of back then when Masrani went back there but um, but <laughs> we could talk all day about that um, yeah. His final question was, uh, was after thoughts on Maisie Lockwood and the whole human clone story. We still need to sit down and discuss because I'm still seeing it now, especially with talk of um, in, uh, Jurassic, the other Jurassic Forgotten Islands and all this sort of other stuff. The whole five deaths, which we have brought up before. Um, the whole, just the difference in the, the stuff between the novel and the film that wasn't so much talked about in the film, but um, it's being blurred the line why InGen went to Costa Rica in the first place why why now we have the lab uh, under Lockwood Manor the whole cloning thing um, we need to sit down <laughs> discuss that and uh, get that episode yeah. out so we'll leave we'll leave all that for that but uh, it's a good story for another yeah, time yeah the whole the whole <laughs> ethics the whole ethics of what they're doing down there uh, not yeah. so much the park itself but the cloning is something we need to do a deep dive into. It says InGen on the, on the side of that chopper. I don't get that. Why, why would Hammond said two teams? Also been real busy over the last couple of weeks trying to get uh, all our past episodes archived. I think the uh, iTunes store only shows the last 100 episodes, so a lot of people coming into Lost World won't be able to see those earlier minutes. Um, so now I've been able to get everything uh, archived um, first up on 
uh, Google Drive. You can get every episode of The Lost World Minute and Jurassic Park Free Minute on two separate drives there. All links are on the website. And I've also started uploading the uh, the weekly podcasts over onto our YouTube channel. But please um, just take in mind there that you're probably going to be a week behind... Uh, week behind when the podcast actually released because I've got to take that file to work and get it converted to video and all that sort of stuff so head over to the website it's as well has been a little bit uh, forgotten about the last little bit but uh, head over there you'll see the archive section for Jurassic World uh, Jurassic Park 3 minute and the Lost, uh, the Lost World minute and um, also you can go over to our YouTube channel links there as well just to uh more ways, David, to uh, ingest the show. Yeah. But yeah, Dave, just um, more ways, more places for our listeners to be able to uh, get the show. Yeah. And be able to listen to past episodes. I was gonna say, I know that we do. We've had have had a couple of people asking how to get some of the older episodes. So that'll be great. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just spreading spreading everything a bit further out there, making things a lot easier. But that's uh, that's the main issue of Jurassic Minutes, David. Uh, a bit disgust there, even though production's halted, we've still got a lot of uh, news coming out um, yeah. there, so I have hope that we're going to be back for June uh, I guess to celebrate some uh, other film releases, Jurassic Park as well, so mm-hmm. we can talk a bit about that and um, see what other news hits the, uh, hits the web between now and then yep yeah.